started. Technically, we're live on YouTube right now. I hope you know that. Oh, boy. That's exciting. Everyone yeah. can watch us right now. No, it's, it's private. Oh. I locked well, it down. Well, can you edit it later? Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to download it from YouTube, strip the audio from it, and then upload it onto Spreaker. I think you should start it in, like, what we're doing right now. So my name's Ethan Lee. This is the Maroon and White Audible. That's Daniel Black, who that's is a, a... That's that's a clever name. Isn't it? The Maroon and White Audible. It's like a football term. So the only reason I thought of Audible was because of, like, the Audible um, books. <laughs> books. <laughs> I saw the, an advertisement for it on Twitter, and I was like, hey, that's a great name. Hey, you know, do you remember back when Amazon just sold books and now they sell groceries? That's kind of weird. Yeah, so my name's Ethan Lee. You are I, am, I am the host of Maroon and White Audible. I am the site expert over at uh, Maroon and White Nation, which is such a weird thing to actually say, um, even though I've been there for like three months. Um, and then that's Daniel Black, who is a former co-host of a podcast that I... Uh, kind of just babbled on kind of like yeah. what i'm doing now this is this is a this is a reunion this is a reunion um it's better than friends and we are here to talk about the absurdity of mississippi state baseball in 2018 yes that is correct it's 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 a very absurd topic yeah uh state's going to omaha for the 10th time the team uh, in 2016 that got 12 draftees did not do such a feat. And the team whose coach got fired three games into the season for having an affair, that team is going to Omaha. So did I ever tell you about the night that Candazaro was fired? Like I was uh, in Starkville? No, you never told me. I know. I know what transpired on that night in terms of news, but no, you never told me about it. So Jess and I were at Hobie's, which is a bar that that's Hobie his Hobart. fiance. Yeah, yeah. We you, have at... to, you have to introduce new characters to people. And yes, I'm interrupting you. So Jess and I were at the uh, we're at Hobie's, which you know of Hobie Hobart, right? That's a ho- that he is the owner and proprietor oh of the left field tiki lounge. That's not in left field. It's actually in right. Is field. it right? Yeah. Um, so we were at Hobie's, wow. which is directly across the street from, I think like the Winfield legal firm. It's, firm. it's where, um, what's it called? Uh, what was that? The doghouse sports doghouse. Yeah. yeah. So he's in the upstairs area. So that night, um, when everybody was like freaking out about Kanazar, the rumors were just coming out. We were grabbing a beer, um, and there weren't many people at the at the bar there, yeah. and uh, so we were there for a while. We got to about midnight. Like other people had left, we were just hanging out. And Hobie was like, "You know, I'm gonna shut it down. It's kind of a dismal night. Kind of sucks because Andy Canizaro, the future of Mississippi State baseball, is now gone." And um, he's like, "Okay, you know, Hobie's a big baseball fan. We get it. Yeah, but also it was it was closing time anyway. So we're leaving." I want to say like midnight-ish. This is a riveting story. So we're leaving. It's midnight. Um, we step outside on the curb. We're waiting for our Uber because, you know, no drinking and driving. And uh, yes, across the street really is this law firm. And I start seeing like various people leaving the law firm at midnight. 
and it's uh it's it's like folks in the athletic department um like i think i still uh who is it bill martin left pretty sure um and I see John Cohen like through the window, looking out the window at me and Jess. And so I'm looking back and it's a case of like, do I wave here? Like, what do I do? I've do had a few. Do you wave? Do I, what, do, what do I do here? Because like John, John Cohen, Cohen is sitting in a lawyer's office, makes contact <laughs> with you after a coach got fired for having an affair. And you're asking, do I wave? So I try to look away. And then I think at one point, John Cohen steps out of the of the law firm across main street in downtown starkville and i'm looking at you know i'm looking at him i think he's trying to figure out who i am because i'm uh, yeah it's weird yeah and then we hop in our uber and drive off that's that's a riveting story right yeah i I pretty much spied on john cohen firing andy canizaro well maybe in the aftermath of it yeah I, i didn't really spy on it i was i was drinking all right. <laughs> That's so, the yeah. closest I've gotten to like getting a scoop on anything. <laughs> Seeing John Cohen through the window of a uh, lawyer's office is the yeah. closest you've ever gotten to a scoop. Pretty well, much. That's closer than anything else I've ever gotten. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, indeed. So, but yeah, that, that pretty much speaks to the absurdity of this baseball season. Yeah, seeing John Cohen through the window of a, of a lawyer's office. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Mississippi State's going to Omaha. Uh-huh. They, this is a team that's been incredibly unpredictable. Correct. Except when they play really good teams. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, the reason why we beat Florida State is because they were a top 10 team. Yeah, the fact that we were able to beat Oklahoma twice – this year is astonishing. After um, they put a 20 spot on us? We score 10 runs and still lose by 10. By 10 runs. That's, yeah. that's not something uh-huh. to be proud of. Sure. But, you know, there are other teams in Mississippi that lost by 10 runs, and they didn't make it through a regional. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, um, I mean, it's, it, the, it's, the idea of Mississippi State's baseball team being so miserably bad after the first weekend and after SEC play or the through the first three weekends of SEC play has been sort of I would say overplayed but regardless you you can't I mean look I mean when you see 14 and 15 and 2 and 7 SEC play this is a team that was unsure that heading into the floor a series against the number one team in the United States hadn't secured a spot in Hoover yeah and the two teams that could eliminate them from the possibility of going to Hoover were playing against each other. So what state had to do was they had to win a certain number of games against Florida and they go out and sweep them. Yeah. And what state really needed to get into the NCAA tournament was to sweep Florida pretty much mm-hmm. oh, yeah. a conference record because of just the RPI. The RPI was good, but there was no way they were really going to get in unless they swept Florida. And that's exactly what they did. And they didn't do it. In some like meager fashion, they came out and beat them big twice. Yeah. Um, but this is a team that, including the Florida State win, was ten and one against top ten teams this year. Um, was it ten and one? Let's see. Because it was it, nine and one before Florida State. 
nothing. No, I don't think it's nine and one. I think it was like seven and one. So maybe they maybe took three or four from Ole Miss. Yeah, they was they nine and swept one. Swept I'm, I'm bad at math. And then they swept Florida. Yeah. And then they took a game from Florida State. I'm miserably bad at math. Excuse me. So, if you were to say like one moment is the moment for this Mississippi State baseball team so far, um, is it the 11th inning against Vanderbilt or is it the bottom of the ninth, two outs, Elijah McNamee against Florida State? You're so you're saying it's like the quintessential moment that people will remember. Or is it Jake Mangum hitting a home run in, like, his final home game? No. Or, well, not his final I think, well, home game. Are you asking, like, what is the quintessential moment? Yeah, yeah. What, what is the most memorable moment for this team? Oh, it's the home run against Florida State. Okay. Easily, in my opinion. I, th- I mean, if that doesn't happen, none of this is happening. I mean, um, yeah. So, I mean, the moment that was hit, it was automatically – um, grouped with Burke Masters, yeah, and you know yada yada. Um, through the insanity of that, I mean, then you look at the home run in Game One against Vanderbilt. the The main difference between those two is that Florida State was an elimination game in the bottom of the ninth, in which you're down by two runs with two outs. Um, so that is the clutchest of clutch. That is. Because, I mean, if we were tied, you know, and you hit a home run, that's still a huge deal. Yeah. But the fact that you were actually down by two runs in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, with two strikes, two, 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 excuse me. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that it's arguably the clutchest play in the history of Mississippi State. In any, any, any sport, you could say maybe Morgan Williams shot against UConn, probably so. I'd, I'd put Morgan Williams above that one. Just but, because of the stakes of that were a bit higher. Sure. But to that, Elijah McNamee was facing, you know, if he if that if he would have swung that ball maybe an inch too high, the season's over. That's true. So that's I think it's the McNamee home run. Now I think probably I mean, that's I think without doubt the biggest moment of the season. But then you also have to look at Luke Alexander's walk off against Ole Miss. If yeah. that doesn't happen we're not going to Hoover. Yeah. Um, this has been such a, speaking of like that Ole Miss series, this has been such a weird season in that there have been so many big moments. Yes, there's been a ton of awful moments, but there's been so many big moments that it's really easy to forget that, you know, this team took three or four from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, took the Governor's Cup for what, the third year in a row? Yeah. Took the series for the third year in a row. Mm-hmm. This is a team that swept Arkansas. Like these, there are these moments that you know we're so caught up in the postseason run right now. But there's mm-hmm. so many moments throughout the season that it's really easy to forget about. And conversely, there's some really awful moments that you know really easy to forget about. Thankfully, now we have good reasons to forget about them. But this is a team that lost to Southeastern Louisiana. This is a mm-hmm. team that lost to um, who is it? Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Who at the time that loss didn't look awful, but it's still AM Corpus Christi and they didn't turn out to be anything good. Mm-hmm. So this is just such a weird season, but it has turned into because of what this team has accomplished over the past month and a half, two months, um, into a really, really good season. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that we can say, oh, you know, 
it was just kind of an okay year that had good postseason run. This is something that is truly special mm-hmm. for Mississippi State. And one thing that Jake Mangum mentioned in the postgame press conference, not like the TV interview, but the press conference, was something that is I don't I haven't really heard it this been this been I don't think this has been mentioned in anything that I've heard other than Jake Mangum saying was that series in Houston where we sweep. Yeah. We go three and zero in Houston. I know we beat Sam Houston State. Don't remember who else we played, but I know they were... the University of Houston, Houston. and then um, Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, I mean those are three solid programs, really good programs. When you we see that, I mean we get swept by Southern Miss. The Canizero stuff goes down, and then we see that we figure that we're going to turn a corner. Yeah. Even though we started two and seven in SEC play, I mean it was. I'm not going to say it was obvious because we all know our thoughts when we were 14 and 15 and two and seven in SEC play. Yeah. But the idea that this team is still pretty good was there. I mean, it was obvious that we were talented when we have people, when we have guys like Connor Pilkington, Connor Pilkington, who up to that point was pitching extremely well. We have Jake Mangum. Um, Ethan Stovall, Small was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter Stovall was an experienced guy. So you see that Houston series was sort of the first indication that, yeah, this team is okay. So when it gets punched in the mouth on SEC play, to put it um, as Jake Mangum did, yeah. um, that's when the resiliency really kicked in. It was obvious the team had talent, but then when you start 2-7 and seven in SEC play and 14-15, and 15, you figure, well, you know, the coaching stuff has this team down. From that point on, it was pure resiliency. Yeah. And then once you have mo- – then after that Ole Miss series when you get some momentum, momentum and talent is a lethal combination as we have seen in the past few weeks. So the, yeah. so the fact that, you know, we take three or four against Ole Miss, who lost in the regional, but I'll say this, even though they lost in the regional talent-wise, that could be the greatest team in Ole Miss history, which makes it even yeah. more hilarious that they lost. Um, but – and then we sweep Florida, who was the number one national seed, and Arkansas, who right now is tied with Auburn in Game Three of the Super Regional, with the with the possibility. Oh, not anymore. Arkansas was whooping up on South Carolina. Oh, I was thinking of Auburn and Florida. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, wrong team, but no. So Arkansas is going to go to the College World Series. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it, it's we knew that the talent was there, and it was just the. It was just if we could get something going momentum wise, and we figured that you know this team could make it to a regional, and all of a sudden we're here talking, we're here talking about Omaha, and that's the crazy thing. There had been so many good Mississippi State teams, you know, in 1979. I think we lost two games in the SEC. Uh, you see, 1985, you have Palmero, Clark, Thigpen, and Jeff Brantley, and 1990, um, which is 1990. You know, we it's not the circumstance, not in terms of what I'm about to say, it had a similar set of circumstances. When I say circumstances, I'm not, I'm not meaning like coaching changes or anything, but in terms of backs against the wall in that regional, they had a similar set of circumstances. Um, you see all of these really talented teams that didn't make it to Omaha like 1989 and 2016. This one is, uh, is without a doubt the, the outlier. It's the only team in Mississippi State history um, – I mean, we've only been to Omaha three times in the Super Regional era, but it's the only time in state history in which we've gone to Omaha traveling for both a regional and a Super Regional. Yeah. So, I mean, 
we had a discussion on Twitter during game one about my favorite teams in Mississippi state history. And I mentioned 2013, this is right up there now. Yeah. I mean, this postseason run, even though we haven't made it to the national championship, in my opinion is as crazy as 2013. So one thing that we actually talked about in terms of like craziness, we, we were joking about it at the time. Um, what if Gary Henderson wins a national title? He'll be hired as the full-time head coach. Right. No, but we were talking about, like, in this context of he would have done it before all these other great coaches in Mississippi State history and all sorts of other sports. You know, before Vic Schaefer, before uh, Ben Howland, although I don't think Ben Howland really has a shot at doing it in the next Mm -hmm. five years. Um, Before Dan Mullen, before... Ron Polk. Yeah. John Cohen. I I mean, you could list four from baseball alone. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I it mean, would be Gary Henderson, this guy that is the most docile creature on the face of the earth um, who is yelling at umpires. It's fantastic. It's I'll fantastic say this, to watch. I mean, Gary Henderson is a phenomenal pitching coach. Yeah. Um, when he was hired as the – I remember when he was hired as the interim, you know, he was – I would say he was downright mediocre when he was the head coach at Kentucky. But I knew that our situation – I mean, when you go to two regionals in eight years, I mean, I know he won. He, SEC he underachieved, especially in those regionals. He underachieved. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, when you when you know when we hire a former head coach, SEC head coaches or interim head coach, I figure, well, you know, the the circumstances could be a lot worse. Um, yeah. A guy that wins thirty two games a year, not a bad, not a bad pick. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Gary Henderson is, you know, a lot of people, even after that game one, especially after that game one in Tallahassee, despised the man. <laughs> I, yeah. I There were people on Twitter saying that there's one in particular who um, I'm not going to, who I really like, who I'm a fan of on Twitter, but I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, not because I don't like him, but just because I'm trying to keep, I'll try to keep this anonymous. That's um, fair is that he put him as the fifth worst person in Mississippi State athletic history to ever wear the color maroon. Um, I don't think I saw this tweet. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, Gary, I mean, Gary Henderson had the persona of sort of being, you know, over the hill, sort of cranky. He looks, he looks 15 years older than he really is. Uh-huh. I mean, he... Yeah. He has this persona of, you know, when you have Andy Canizero, who's this freakishly energetic young guy who maybe had a bit too much testosterone in his system. Maybe. Um, and then you replace him with Gary Henderson, it is whiplash. Yeah. But towards but as the as this run has gone on, it's obvious that Gary Henderson cared and cared a whole lot. And here we are. I would say, I mean, I don't have any insider information, but just from a fan's perspective, I would imagine he is as good of a shot as any person to be hired full time. Now, once again, I don't have any insider information, so I've got no clue. Um, But just looking from the outside, I would imagine so. So one thing that really would be one good thing that would come out of a, a hire of um, Gary Henderson would be the fact that this team is so endeared to him. Mm-hmm. When you see him, is now too. Well, it took a little while, but yeah. Um, well, on that note, I saw a dude on Facebook say that uh, State was still winning in spite of him rather than because of him, and that was the hottest take I've ever seen in like the past week. T A E K. 
yeah, yeah, take. But this is a, a team that is so endeared with them. You see him embracing Jake Mangum, and Mangum is like bawling because of mm-hmm. the fact they're going to Omaha. He's finally getting a shot at Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's really been kind of you know a grandfather figure to this team. Yeah. <laughs> and it's helped this team a lot. It, you know, you have uh, Kanazaro literally screw things over, and then mm-hmm. you have someone bring in this just calm presence, this very steady hand, and he carries Mississippi State forward. And there's something to be said about consistency and keeping consistency. That said, I don't know if I don't know if Henderson's the right guy long term. I don't know if that's the case. No, but you've got a coaching staff around him that could probably sustain success for a while. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, um I mean the f- I think that, you know, if I mean there are a lot of there are tons of moments in probably that 10 minute span after the game ended, um, you know, you see Henderson and his wife, you see Henderson and Mangum, you see Henderson in his post-game interview. Um, Henderson and Tanner Poole doing the dirty dancing scene. Yes, getting getting the Gatorade. And then <laughs> you see the video that was posted by the Mississippi State Twitter account of him with the team surrounded and him bending down and literally screaming. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see all the, and also you see uh, Gary Henderson pick up, I guess it may literally pick up, I guess it may have been Mike Brown or Jake Gotro after the Tallahassee regional ended. You see all these things and it's remarkable. It is literally a 180 degree turn from maybe early April um, or whenever we were 14 and 15, Uh, I guess maybe mid-March. 29 um, games into the season. Yeah. Whatever that, um, was. Whatever that was. Um good math by the way. You're welcome. Um so it's 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 very interesting and I would say that this team in terms of the like the you know in terms of the momentum and how they the play of this team it's it, it has a similar um um path I'm trying to think of the right words to say it. A similar path in terms of Gary. Also, it's sort of similar to Gary Henderson's image. You know, as this team's gotten better, Gary Henderson has become more likable and more likable and more likable. And yes, sure, that makes sense because this team's going to Omaha and obviously you're going to like the coach that goes to Omaha. But I'm talking about in terms of personality. You know, Gary Henderson could be someone who just goes, shakes hands, says good job to the team and leaves. Instead, you see all of these extra things that he's doing that makes you like the guy and that's why i don't know the percentage of the fan base that wants henderson now as the full-time head coach but it's a pretty significant percentage it's a it's a notable increase let's definitely Mm -hmm. put it that way yeah because one thing i've been writing about just is you know can gary henderson win a regional because he had never won a regional at kentucky never even as a pitching coach at kentucky yeah um can gary henderson win a super regional because he had never coached and He'd won. never been in one. Uh-huh. Um, can Gary Henderson get this team to Omaha? Like they, they he's done it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are things that it's no longer out of the question of in the most unfathomable way as well. You've got these players that, um, you know, Cole Gordon has remarkably become you know, so much better than what he was um, for most of the season. You've got. Elijah McNamee coming out of nowhere, really. Mm-hmm. 
you've got these players just take these huge increases in performance. Um, and it's hard to say that that's not in large part due to Gary Henderson and the coaching staff mm-hmm. because of the consistency, what they've poured into this team. Um, and it's, it's finally showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, after the free, I mean, even before the whole can stuff, after we got swept by Southern, not only because we got swept, but the way we did it, uh, I thought, well, this team sucks. Yeah. Um, and then the Canizero thing goes down. I'm thinking, well, this season's a waste. I remember, vi- I remember, I need to find this tweet. I haven't searched for it, but it's, I'm just now remembering. I tweeted uh, maybe when the Canizero, but when the Canizero stuff was announced officially, um, I mentioned how November 23rd through November, November 23rd through 26, 2017, which was the, the 23rd was when we lost the Egg Bowl and 26 is when Mullen left. I said was one of the worst periods of time in Mississippi State football history. Um, and then I said, when at whatever date the Southern series started to when Canizero was let go, I said was one of the worst times in Mississippi State baseball history. And I remember someone responded to that tweet you know, football responded pretty well. And I thought, well, yeah. I mean, we hired Joe Moorhead in two days, which obviously he hasn't coached a game yet, but from the outset, it looks like that's a really good hire. And then we win the bowl game. We sign a good recruiting class. We've got a good recruiting class going into the next year. And right now we have the possibility of winning eight, nine, maybe even more games this season, not including a bowl. Um, Yeah. When I tweeted that for in terms of baseball, I, I, you know, I looked at that tweet and I said, yeah, but there's no chance, or at least I thought there's no chance that baseball is going to do anything to the extent that football is going to do until we hire the new coach. And that's going to be in four months or five, three months. At that um, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I knew that, well, this season's going to be a waste. Hopefully we can get someone good. You know, when that happened, my mindset was, yeah, it sucks right now, but in two years we're going to forget about it because it's Mississippi State baseball and we're going to be able to get a new coach. This is still a decent, talented team. We've got a good – we've got a stacked recruiting classes down there. We're going to be fine in two years. I wasn't expecting we were going to be fine in two months. Yeah, so what's what's interesting, you're talking about tweets from February 19th. Um, I tweeted – Completely random news, not tied to any sorts of rumors of any kind. Gary Henderson is a good baseball coach. So, I'm not saying I predicted this, but I'm saying I predicted this. Kinda. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My favorite tweets I I sent during that time was always every time we won a game. Because we won like the first four games after that, or something like that. I said that Gary Henderson is... Um, undefeated or whatever is, has the best winning percentage in yeah. Mississippi State baseball history. He and you know Greg Knox on the football end. <laughs> Interim head coaches. <laughs> yeah, um, Greg Knox one to zero winning a bowl game. Gary Henderson heading to Omaha. So I will say this: if for whatever reason John Cohen doesn't feel that he's able to make the sort of splash hire that he's wanted to make, mm-hmm. um, kind of punting for a couple of years. Riding it out with Gary Henderson is not a bad option, especially with what he's proven able to do right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, knowing that we would keep that entire staff together, Jake Gotro is a really good recruiter, which is a reason why Andy Canizero put him on staff in the first place. Uh, Mike Brown is a really good recruiter. And then you have guys like Trevor Fitz on the staff. I'm not even sure of his actual title, but I think he's, he's on like the a, staff. A front office guy, but they may have moved him to the field for a um, bit. Who 
knows the program extremely yeah. well, um, obviously. So, I mean, this staff all – and I'll say this. I've got a friend of mine. I won't say his name for, you know, recruiting reasons. We could be under NCAA investigation for some reason saying his name on a podcast. But I've got a friend of mine. Neither of us are boosters, so. (laughs) We could be labeled as such. Oh, gosh. Um, I have an old booster seat in my garage that I used when I was like four. Um, But I've got a friend of mine who's committed to state to play baseball in a few years. And he said after we won the regional, and particularly when McDonald announced that he was was staying at Louisville, he said, let's keep the staff. Yeah. So obviously the recruits like the staff. The team likes the staff. Now, of course, the big question is, can they coach? So far, they seem like they can. It'll be interesting to see what they can do in a year that is fully their own. Because this is a team that, you know, it, that could go either way, really. But this is a team that um, didn't really get full set of fall practices because of the construction on the stadium. Didn't really get that full sort of prep going into the baseball season. They had what, like three real sort of scrimmages. Mm-hmm. Um, then they played first quarter of their season on the road, not mm-hmm. playing at home. Um, this is a coaching staff that if they're able to avoid such a awful, such a awful, such an awful start um, to the season is able to build some momentum going forward. Who really knows how this season plays out if we didn't have everything stacked against us at the beginning of the year? Sure. You know? I mean, and it's it's funny how this how you we, you mentioned that throughout the entire season, it seems like they've responded when that happened. Yeah. The Elijah McNamee home run, uh, winning in a this team since 2017 is nine and zero in um I guess read or I guess uh. No, that wouldn't be right. Or it's eight no in regional elimination games. Um, I guess one and one in super regional elimination games, which would put our uh, overall NCAA tournament record in elimination games the past two years at nine and one. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, um, I will say that there is a another uh, record here for a certain stat. Um, that Robbie Falk, 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 Falk. His name um, is Falk. Falk. That sounds like you're saying a British word of another thing, but okay. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that. Falk. I'm no. awful with names. Rob Falk. Robbie Falk. Say the stat. MSU is eight and two in black uniforms. Uh, <laughs> the worst uniform almost as bad as the camouflage uniforms or the the 39 different variations of uniforms you wore in the 2015 season that we literally stopped doing when we were like in the suckiest of suckish moments yeah by the way we have questions oh it's about time from mr v what's up if you're the host you get to read them out oh, i need to find them then they're on mr v's twitter account we're just going to check tweets directed at you in case uh, Lewis comes out of nowhere. He hasn't responded. He hasn't had any sort of notification in terms of that he's alive currently. So. Hope I'm not too late. No, you're not too late, Mr. V. How have you guys been? Um, Dennis Rodman is being interviewed on CNN about the Kim Jong-un, Donald Trump, North Korea summit. That's a very interesting response to how have you guys been. 
Uh, how you, uh, I've been well. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. When did you finally breathe during last night's game? Um. Technically, it was today's game. That's right. Uh, well, not when you upload this. <laughs> Gosh, uh, I'd upload this in two weeks. I don't know when I'm going to do it. Um, when the tag was made on the Vanderbilt player to win the game. I don't know if I breathed then. Although right after that was a series of screams. Yeah, so. I, I couldn't scream. But apparently, I, uh, yeah, I, I woke some people up. Yeah, nice. my sister oh. wasn't pleased about my screaming. Fair enough. Um, which is more unbelievable? This team going to Omaha or Ethan convincing, and he tags my uh, my fiance here, Jessica, to say yes? Uh, Ethan, obviously. I, I tend to agree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, I'm a pretty loud whistler. Should I work on becoming the Hail State whistler? You know, there is a great thing called a cowbell um, that you can use. I'm just going to get... They're pretty popular. I'm going to become the Hell State Kazooer. Can I bring a triangle? Yes. Bing. Although there was a dude... There was a... Because I was at the first two games. There was a dude... By the way, because I haven't even mentioned that. uh, There was a dude... In the outfield, who had um, a blowhorn, who just at the most random moment was going, (laughs) my imitation of a blowhorn. That's pretty great. Um, What are your thoughts on State's chances in Omaha? This is something that I'd actually like to dive in more later if you are up for another podcast. Yes, I would be more than willing to do another podcast. I don't know anything about Washington. I don't think they hosted a regional, though. They were a three seed coming into this. Okay, I I don't know anything about their team, but I would imagine we have a shot against Washington. Oregon State is going to win the national championship, and I'm quite convinced of it. And that is probably who we would play in game two if we were to yeah. win. Yeah. So I don't. Is it knowing this team? Is Uh-oh. it better for them to lose their first game and then just ride and it out through the losers bracket? And then we would win the national championship. <laughs> Look, I I don't know how to predict this team anymore. I really don't. Um, But I'll have to say that this team has as good of a chance as any team right now, just given how they're playing. No, stop that. Okay, what? So this team, I really feel like, has as good of a shot as any team outside of Oregon State or Florida because they're the two best teams here. And also Arkansas is up there too. I mean, Kendall Rogers predicted that Arkansas is going to win the national championship. That's a pretty bold prediction so you know i would Um, i would certainly hope oregon state would lose because you know they have a child molester on their team or at least a convicted child molester on their team so yeah but we don't have to get political (laughs) look if there was ever a team that would be the perfect team to beat oregon state it's this Mississippi State team. Oh, for sure. Especially since we beat <laughs> Oregon State twice in 2013. Oh, my gosh. That'd be great. That'd be but great. that team did not have a convicted child molester on it. But I don't want to get political. <laughs> I think everybody kind of wants Oregon State to lose. Yeah. Outside of maybe Oregon State fans. I know Podcat does. <laughs> Same. 
Same. Yeah. Podcat was rooting for us against Vandy simply because of the Whistler's the existence. <laughs> yeah. There's two Whistlers. I know. There's two. I didn't know that. I thought it was just one dude. I thought it was the dude that I... Uh, who, uh, the crying Jordan from like three years ago or whatever. Two years ago in Hoover yeah. when he was sitting... When, during the Ole Miss-Vanderbilt game when he was sitting to the section to my right, five rows ahead, a woman came up to him, tapped him on the shoulder, asked her, asked, uh, asked him to stop. He chased her away, went to security, and said he was charging for, or pressing charges for assault. What a goober. Yeah. For lack of better terms. <laughs> um, should the number 15 be retired for all sports or worn as an honor? Well, let's see. I'm pretty sure you could you can name a number fifteen across every all four of the big sports that are led that are linked to a legendary player. Obviously, there's Dak Prescott. Yeah, Jake. Mangum. Obviously, there's Jake Mangum. Tierra McCallum. Women bat women's basketball. There's Tierra McCallum, and this is a little bit before my time. It's not IJ ready. <laughs> <laughs> that was not before my time. Uh, which reminds me of whatever his face, the former head, the former head coach at Arkansas, who is an SEC network commentator for like uh, Mark, not Mark, God, uh, John Pelfrey, who IJ Reddy had a shot, and Mark Pelfrey goes, IJ Reddy is ready. <laughs> <laughs> like that is the t- <laughs> you can't. <laughs> All you have to do is literally say IJ is ready, which is a tweet that we did multiple times. IJ ready is ready. And he was so proud of it. But anyways, no. Um, uh, Timmy Bowers wore the number 15 who played, of course, for the 2004 SEC championship team. I think you could do it for IJ ready. <laughs> Football. And uh, depending on how the season plays out for McCowan, um, women's basketball as well, and then also uh, Mangum. I, I don't know. don't think you could do it for IJ Reddy. Oh, poor IJ. And He's I think ready to get that jersey retired. We are so removed from Bowers. Yeah, it's before. Like, I mean, I was alive in 2004, but I was four. Yeah, just go ahead and put 15 on one of the, the next big recruits and let them play it out. Um, so who would that be? I don't. I don't. If we get a five star, give them the number fifteen in football. In football, you said a big time recruit. I'm in a men's basketball. Oh, I see. Well, I don't know. Just go ahead and retire Dak. Just, just retire that one. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, but to answer your question, three of the four. Sure. Okay. Are we living in? This is the final question. Are we living in the greatest of times regarding MSU sports as a whole? It's up there. I would say that the late 1990s is hard to beat when from the stretch of 1996 through 1999, you go to the, or from 1995 through 1999, you go to the Sweet 16, you go to the Final Four, you go to Omaha twice, you win the West, and you have a 10-win football season. But then, in today's world, you throw in, you go to the national championship game twice in a row in women's basketball. You're not that far removed from the College World Series you, runner-ups. Yeah, you, are, you go to Omaha twice in five years. Yeah. Um, in football, you, have, you go to, I guess, if yeah, we're, if we, if we're, we're like saying 2013 through 2007, that's 2017 okay. this past year. Yeah. That's 
five straight bowl games, a 10-win season thrown. The only the only bad apple is men's basketball. I'd say it depends largely on what the men's basketball team does this season. Yeah. If they sure. can make like a sweet 16 run, then we're we're talking about exactly. okay, this is this is there. Mm-hmm. Because um, even when I said the late 90s, once you hit after that final four run, we didn't go to the we didn't even make it to the NCAA tournament. I don't think we made it until like 2002. You would know that better than I do. So because Richard Williams was let go, or the circumstances around that were crazy. Weird. Oh yeah. Um, and then Stansberry, and then Stansberry sort of had a lull. He was able to make it to the NIT a couple of years, but he really didn't break through until around 2002. And then they made it to then the about and then 04 was the sort of the peak. But um, and then 2012 happened. Yeah, I mean a lot of things. No, Renardo Sydney happened. I was just going to lump that in with Renardo. Yeah. yeah. A team that severely underachieved. All of those teams severely underachieved, my friend. Um, so hashtag throwback Thursday. I don't have a, uh, it's, it's not Thursday, but I also don't have a clip to prove it, but I used to say that we were almost entering into a uh, renaissance. Yeah, I, I know. I remember, I remember. I vividly remember. <laughs> it. I, yeah. You said that three years ago. Yeah. But I, I largely said it because I thought the softball team would be better off now than they are currently. So you're you were basically what you were thinking of is replace women's ba- replace softball with women's basketball, and you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. More or less. Um, that said, I didn't predict 2016 for MSU football very well. I thought they'd won eight games that year. They I, did uh, not. Thanks, Peter Sermon. Yeah. So it's this is a pretty good spot for Mississippi State sports, just as a it's whole. Easily. Even the even the softball team um, has made it farther than they have ever made it in the past. They've never played for a regional championship before, and they did that. So to answer Mister V's questions completely, if you were to like group decades in terms of the greatest decades in Mississippi State history, this and the nineteen nineties, without a doubt, are the top two. I, think that's I feel like it, it could be argued that it's a coin flip between the two. Yeah, I would say that too. Cool. Yeah, for sure. So so from 2010 to now to from like the 1990 to 99. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, in that in that in in the 90s, you know, in 2010 was when Mullen came and as much grief as we give him now, I mean, this has been one of the greatest stretches in Mississippi State football history. I mean, in his um, second year, he won nine games. Mm-hmm. And once you hit the 1990s, you know, 1990 was a struggle. But then Jackie Sherrill is hired in 91, who inherited a program who hadn't been to a bowl game in a decade. And he goes to the three bowl games in his first four seasons. Yeah. So, I mean, just like that, you're off and running. Yeah. So. Yep. so, yeah, fun questions. Thank you, Mr. B. And that's that's all we've got. Yeah, that, that was we, – we're sorry for the lack of organization, but Ethan's got this show going strong. This is literally the first episode. All we've ever done before this is a trailer. So, here we are. Yes. Ethan, it's your show. You get to wrap it up. Actually, I'm going to defer to you because it was pretty much your show the last time, and you would always defer to me to do final thoughts. So, oh, do you God. have any closing thinkings? Um, I'm going to Omaha Thinkings. We can't copy it because SB Nation owns that, and this is owned by Fansided. This is like David Letterman going from NBC to CBS. Yeah, pretty much. And he had that um, old gentleman um, 
I can't think of his name, but his character name on the NBC show was Larry Budden Melman. And NBC said, and even though that guy went from the NBC show to the CBS show, they could not use the name Larry Bud Melman. So this is that. Pretty much. That is your historical note for the day. Hashtag um, closing thinkings. Um, Daniel Black. Um, I'm going to Omaha for one day. <laughs> that really sounds bad in the context of what we've been talking about with this baseball team. Yeah, um, but... Uh, yeah, this is easily one of the craziest seasons of Mississippi State baseball ever. I mean, starting from the starting from that first week of the season with the Canizero stuff, it was already one of the craziest seasons. But this is now great. Will go down as crazy for a completely different reason, for a multitude of reasons combined. Um, I think it's easily one of the most memorable seasons. I, th- I mean, obviously, it's one of the top ten most mes- memorable seasons in Mississippi State history for one re- for a mutual reason. Yeah. Um, but it's up there. Um, um, it's it's remarkable to see how the team grew, how the coaching staff grew, how every, how all of this culminated. Um, it has given us a all near heart attacks. Um, I'm sure some people had to take some Pepto Bismol or something for uneasiness. Maybe some Tums. I don't know. Heart medication. Hopefully, no one Tums had heart disease heart during this. Um, because I don't know how many walk-offs we had this season, but it's a lot. I want to say it's like six. Yeah, I think it's something like that. It's six, like six or seven. Um, but it's been a remarkable run. And Gary Henderson said it um, in his post-game speech. You know, however long, whatever happens in Omaha, or as he put it, whatever happens in Nebraska. Um, He's from Oregon. Let's give him a pass. <laughs> uh he he said that you know this is going to be a memory that lasts lasts a lifetime, and he meant that for just the team, but the fans are going to feel that too. Um, so it's been crazy, um, but I'm excited to see what happens in Omaha, regardless of what happens. Yeah, those are my Appreciate last it. thinkings. Closing thinkings. Oh, excuse me. Hashtag closing, closing thinkings with a couple, uh, Daniel couple of couple of gerunds there. Closing thinkings. You're welcome. You're no, that's all we've got. Thanks for listening to the Maroon and White Audible. This is episode one. We will be doing more of the more of these in the future. I can't I can't words. So can't words. That's all I've got. Thank you, Daniel Black. You're welcome, Ethan. I'm gonna go sleep. Oh yeah, same. <laughs> it was good talking to you. Thanks for listening, folks. Y'all have a good one.